0: The world needs heroes. We need them to remind us that the strength they have to endure is also found within each one of us. The best heroes don't wear capes. They don't fly around the world saving us from everything. The best heroes aren't perfect. Rather, they're just the opposite. It is because of their flaws that they are heroic. The greatest heroes challenge us to persevere in the face of adversity. To do the right thing even if it doesn't feel right to be the good in the midst of so much bad. In James Cameron's tour to force, Aliens, we meet Private Vasquez. Second only to Ripley, Vasquez is steely and hardened. She is also good, she is also kind, and a hero of the story. Please join us at Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, as we sit down to interview actor Jeanette Goldstein. In this exclusive interview, we welcome our newest contributing host, Christian Matska, and Andy Geekgirl.
1: I'll tell you what I know. We sat down on
0: LV-426. One of our crew members was brought back on board with something attached to his face, some kind of parasite. We tried to get it off. It wouldn't come off. Later, it seemed to come off by itself and die. Kane seemed fine. We were all having dinner, and um, it must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started, um,
2: he... Look, man, I only need to know one thing. Where they
1: are.
0: Guess, guys.
2: Anytime, anywhere.
0: Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host.
3: Patrick Green. Christian.
4: And Andy.
0: And today is a very special day for us because we have the one, the only Jeanette Goldstein on our show as a guest in the 35th year anniversary of Aliens. Thank you,
5: Jeanette, so much for coming on our show today.
2: My pleasure, Nice to be here.
5: We have so much we wanna get into. You've had such a long and interesting career, whether it be on stage, whether it be in the films that we all love, on television, even in other endeavors that we'll get to tonight, including maybe a music video or two. Uh, and we're going, we're hoping to touch on some of that, but we thought maybe to get things started, for those of you who don't know, listening to this, Jeanette has a really successful business that has been growing even during the pandemic. And uh, and I was hoping maybe we could get some insight into, into that, how you started Jeanette Bras, how it's yeah. going, and uh, some background on that.
2: Sure, yeah. Well, it's um sort of a crazy time-space continuum that uh, I was thrown into. And um, it's actually all the fault, well, uh, of my big boobs, of course, primarily, <laughs> which I blame on my mother. And I went to a con, actually, in London. And I was in a mall. It was actually in Milton Keynes. And there was a bra store at the mall. And so at lunch, I went shopping And I was kind of blown away by all the selection that European women had, you know, for uh, small, small women with a large, you know, not plus size. It's a different category. It's small rib cage, large, like hourglass figure, that kind of thing. And I, you know, when I was flying back home and back to L.A., I was like, why doesn't someone open a store like that? You know, in Los Angeles, it seems ridiculous. Why doesn't somebody And my husband, who's also not a business person, said, why don't we do it? And it was just kind of a crazy idea of of a product and an experience that i wanted to have and we call it retail theater he designs he's an artist so he designs the spaces and i sort of well i don't work in the stores i do the marketing at the moment but then it it just it's grown and let's see we're in our 13th year and we have six stores no sorry five stores did
5: you have any experience in business before this or was this this is all uncharted for you
2: uh, no, no, except for show business. That's all. But no, my, uh, my family, my grandparents were all in, you know, the delicatessen and, you know, in the schmata industry, you know, not very successful, most unsuccessful Jewish family you could ever imagine in business. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's our joke that they, the, their businesses always fail. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. No, nothing.
5: And you said you opened a couple stores during the pandemic? Or Actually, right before it started.
2: Right before we opened one in our fourth store in LA, which is in Burbank, and we didn't plan it this way. But we opened a fifth store in Atlanta, Georgia. We didn't. We did not plan that we'd open them a week apart, and we didn't plan for a global pandemic either. <laughs> the week <laughs> after, <laughs> it was it was insane. It was. I mean, everybody has their story, but you know, we opened for we opened on March eighth. Wow. Swear to God had one good day of business and then it just, you know, everything just hit the, you know, and, uh, but we opened, we're back open all five stores and they're, they're doing great. Um, people are out shopping and we survived and, uh, no, it's great. We don't sell online. You know I mean? This is the thing is that we, it's a, it's a personal service. So anyway, I just say, I don't have to explain to anybody why personal connection is meaningful.
4: So I saw on one of your Instagram accounts for the store recently that you were hiring and I noticed that in the job requirements, you listed two things, A, that you are a good person and B, that you actually give a blank. (laughs) Um, And I love that. Um, Has that always been your philosophy in terms of like who you decide to work with and just throughout all your career?
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, life is too short. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And, and, you know, with, with this business, you know, with business, I mean, I, I look at people's resumes and it's like with acting, you know, with acting, it doesn't matter what school you went to, you know, in the arts, can you do the job, you know, and it's, I do the same thing with a resume. I'm actually, I'm a little bit um, go, when I see they've gone to a fancy university and haven't worked at a McDonald's or a Target or babysitted their, you know, five brothers and sisters. I prefer the, the working class girls had to work all her life and all that. Yeah, definitely That's... when it comes to. So I don't know. I don't know. But definitely, yeah, good person and gives a shit. That's, those are the skills. <laughs> right? you, can, you know, you can teach most anything. You really can. But you cannot teach someone those other those two things. I mean, but how you figure that out in an interview—that's the—that's the trick.
3: So businesses that were able to figure out a way during the pandemic to stay open but distanced seems to be okay and thrive. But your business, you can't keep. You you need to be up close, don't you? Yeah. I mean, what do you, but you but you well, did it. You survived.
2: Sure. Huh. Um, you know we. We, you know, we had to close. We closed um, until June 1st, we were able to open again. Um, And we, it's one-on-one and we don't use a measuring tape. So it's actually in a way, there's no browsing. It's a, it's a one, it's one person at a time. So we did, you know, one staff member, one client and, you know, take temperatures and did all, all of that. And we stayed very very far apart. I mean, we couldn't, so it, it really hurt the business as far as because usually women like to shop together and they bring their mother and their sister and their friends and their husband sits. And, um, but we survived because our had a lot to do with our customers who were very loyal, very loyal. And they called us and emailed us. And we, we just did anything we could to get them the products, our vendors who are small family run businesses, in Europe, I mean, they've been around since, some of them, the turn of the century, but they're small. You can call up the president of the company. And so, you know, we depended on each other. And then there was a lot of sort of not really paying the landlords. <laughs> so, well, we owe a lot of, you know, it's, that was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really a choice. I mean, actually, we did, once we opened back up, we, we did pay, you know, we paid what we could. But, you know, the idea is have a small business survive. And I mean, a lot of people, I I don't know, you know, if I were near retirement and all, I mean, it was really hard. I wanted to quit a lot of, a lot of times. I mean, I can't imagine what my actor friends did, you know, performing in front of the screen. I just, well,
0: if we could transition a little bit or I I had a a bit of a related (laughs) question in terms of your passion as a person and what inspires you and we can, that can back up into before you got into acting or the reason Mm -hmm. that you got into acting. And I'm curious what was happening in your mind and in your heart in terms of what was saying, I want to do this and I want to act in front of the screen. I want to, what, what movies were inspiring you? What plays were inspiring you? What pushed you to take it as far as you took it?
4: Well, you
2: know, I've, I always, my, my parents took us to plays all the time. I mean, they loved um, live theater. Um, my dad is from New York, and, you know, my my mother moved up there when they got married, and they would go, every penny they saved, they would go see a play. I found, like, their old um, playbills, you know, when they both passed away. It was this wonderful, you know, and so we always went to see plays, live theater, and it was just, there was just such electricity. I mean, you know, the lights went down, and the curtain went up, and I mean, it's just, it was unbelievable, and um, I love pretending, you know, pretending I was different people. And I guess every kid, most, you know, being, you know, running around and pretending. And it was when I sort of found out that, oh, you know, it's a job and you can do that. It was like, well, this is for, you know, this is for me, definitely. And
5: this was in Los Angeles, right? Your early years were, you grew up in High. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I was born, so I was surrounded, I went to Beverly Hills High. So I grew up in Beverly Hills. And I went to the high school. There's one high school, and they had an amazing drama department. It's pretty famous. There's just tons of people went there, and um, you know, all the the geeks and the outcasts. You know, of course, it's like any any high school in the drama department. It was you know, not the popular kids, (laughs) Um, and but it was it was incredible. We did a musical, we did a play, and it worked really hard, and you know. That was, that was my life. I loved it. And uh, I, that was my plan. I was, I, I went to San Francisco when I was 16 to the um, American conservatory theater, ACT in San Francisco, the repertory theater. They had a, they had a summer intensive. And so I did that for 10 weeks. And then I, you know, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go to London. My parents had taken me to London we saw all the plays there. So you know, I just kind of said, OK, so now I'm going to go to New York and then I'm going to go to London. And I sort of mapped out my whole life when I was about 16. The one thing I did not map out was to be in a Hollywood movie. That was a complete and utter because I grew up in, you know, in Los Angeles and um, I loved going to movies. You know, TV was, you know, so so in those days. But a lot of the parents were character actors, my friends. And so I was really familiar with, you know, the business, the industry, but I wasn't interested at all. In that, I wanted to go to New York and and be on the on the stage. That was my passion.
3: <laughs> oh, but London did lead to a Hollywood picture. Which
2: yeah, it's yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, it's I went as far as I could away, and then you know, yeah, it's it's kind of ironic. Yeah,
5: pulled you right back in. Yeah, it pulled um, me back. In. What's funny is that your acting style, I find, is so nuanced, and I and I think that um, you know, obviously, your stage training shines through too but you seem even in aliens which was your first role like you, on on film you seemed so comfortable in front of the camera and the style of acting is so different for it was that a, an adjustment period for you at all to transfer your stage skills to the movie
2: yeah i mean i i don't know what i was doing um i, I was scared because i had no i'd never been taught anything about um camera or anything. So I had to be taught as I, as I worked or, you know, Bill Paxton said, you, you know, you learn while well, you earn. So um he, you know, he would explain everything to me and, but it, you know what, I have no idea. I was um just trying to concentrate on doing my work and hopefully, you know, my eyeline was correct and I hit my mark and, you know, It's, I, I, seriously, it was, I was terrified most of the shoot just because it was, I'd never, you know, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, I was excited. I'd never been in a movie. I was like, wow, I'm in a movie. Um, but you know, the thought of screwing up and, and being bad is, is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) God.
4: Do you feel like the two weeks that you had together, um, Sort of in boot camp you know not only physically prepared you but eased that transition
2: oh yeah i mean it was that was such a luxury i mean you never get two weeks to to rehearse and be with the people that you're going to be you know in a project with i mean that's pretty rare usually you know you meet your husband on set kind of thing although <laughs> i don't think i've ever been married in anything <laughs> like, never <laughs> i'm not but, um but yeah, no, I was, it was great. I got to hang out with all of the guys and we got to know each other. And that was, it, that was really great. And we got to, you know, um, Al Matthews had been, you know, in the Marines. And so we got expert, expert coaching and tip. Um, he'd been in the British army and the um, special services. I forget what you call that in, in England, in Northern Ireland. And so they so we got real, My, you know, my biggest fear is that I would seem like a stupid, silly little actress holding a big bad gun, you know, that sort of, I mean, that was, you just want to do, you know, justice to the part and look like the real deal and not look like you're an actor trying to, you know, look tough or something. Can
5: I ask you a quick question about that? Uh, I'm just wondering, yeah. what were your first impressions of people during that two week period? Like, what are some takeaways that you remember, like the first time you met some of the actors that were on set?
2: I was it was first of all Bill Paxton and Paul Reiser have to be the you know the funniest people I'd ever met I mean just sweetheart everybody was just so sweet and excited because no I mean nobody was a, a star I mean everybody I mean Sigourney was coming you know she was coming she was doing a film in Europe and she was coming later and that was going to be really exciting but everybody was just so damn excited you know, to be, we felt like, just like kids. I mean, that's the kind of thing, like a bunch of kids who just won this prize. I mean, I feel like that with, with any role I get, but it it was a whole group of us, you know, it was like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? And it was really nice is that those of us who lived in England, you know, Rico Ross and Mark Ralston and me, we we showed the other guys who came from LA around. We took them to our house and Mark would, you know, make dinners for us and we would, we'd show them London. So they really appreciated you know, that. So they just have to kind of hang in a hotel somewhere. And um, it was just, it was really, I mean, we're still really close friends. I mean, all of us, it's amazing how many years that we're, we're really close, whether we see each other, you know, a lot like Mark Enrico, and I do, or, you know, rarely like, you know, Paul Reiser and Sigourney.
0: In terms of the friendship and the connection that you made, I want to jump a little bit ahead to Near Dark, which I just saw again last night. Oh. I, I'm curious, was that process like, hey, Catherine Bigelow doing a movie. We, we like the talent that we've been working with, that we're, we're around. Are you guys interested in doing this movie? How did that happen post-Aliens? Was it a, an easier thing or was it you had to audition everything else? It just Because it felt like a family of people doing another movie.
2: Well, it made you know it made perfect sense, and it would have made sense that we'd all been talked together, but we weren't. We were approached separately. I had just come back, yes, um, and I was living. Was I even had I just gotten? No, I hadn't gotten into SAG. I guess I was. I forget what you call. I was in British Equity, but I could work. (laughs) So they didn't have my phone number, and I was living with my parents. So Jim got my phone number. Uh, No, he gave. That's right. He gave um, Catherine. And they, it, my mother's phone number. She sent me the script and it was beautiful. I was saying it reads like poetry. I mean it, it, it beautiful on the screen, but it just it reads, just sparse, spare, and but it's hard to explain to anybody and not sound like an idiot when they say, So what are you auditioning for? And you're like, Um, it's this vampire, like white trash winna you know, and you're like <laughs> And um, so it's funny because we would go out, me and Bill and, you know, and, and Michael Bean, and people, you know, well, so what are you reading for these days? What are you? And we had read separately, but we hadn't told each other for the longest time because we were like kind of embarrassed to say, you know, but it's really good. I swear. Oh, finally, one of us said, I'm reading for this vampire. Really? I mean, I'm, you know, also reading for, but it's really good. I swear. And so that's kind of how we came <laughs> together. So we all auditioned and, you know, it, Certainly us knowing each other for, you know, how many months over, you know, in England and all that really, really helped again to get the dynamic of the family. I mean, that's always, always a good thing.
3: It could have just been good acting, but there was a sense of these, these people know each other, you know, the, the way that the camaraderie that the three of you had that I assume came from, from aliens really shows up in your dark. And I love
0: it. I, I I'll go ahead with another question. Again, I do obviously want to get into aliens, but I'm really interested in what makes Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein, and I I, I would love to know some favorite movies of yours. What informs you?
2: I was trying to I know, I knew you were going to ask me this question. Or <laughs> people always your mind goes blank. Of course, right? Always. I love the Last Picture Show. That just came through my mind. I don't oh, know it's why. A great movie. <laughs> God, it's so funny. I love Gloria Cassavetti's film. Gloria, you know that you haven't, haven't seen that. Seen that. I've, I'm
0: familiar <laughs> oh with the God. title, but I haven't seen it.
2: So good with Jenna Rollins. I have not seen it, a- but because that came out in 80, I was in, living in New York 81 or something, you know, because there's no female action here. She's amazing, she's amazing in it. And um, that, uh, yeah, Gloria is an incredible movie. Um, Cassavetti's wonderful. And then, um, uh, the movie Mandy. Have you guys seen that?
5: Yes, yes, we have.
2: Insane, insane. Um, <laughs> I I loved it. I love. I went to see it at my local theater. I was like, it's you know. And then I I saw it again. I did it. Somebody asked me about in a podcast. You know, what was one of uh, a genre film, and I mentioned a couple of them, and they were like, Mandy. We're gonna do Mandy. So I had to rewatch it, and it's oh, so good. <laughs>
5: That's amazing. So I want to loop us back around now to aliens, and then I'm sure we'll deviate again. But one of the things that I'm sure you've noticed over the decades, Jeanette, and also maybe on this podcast by the apparel that everybody's wearing, that has stuck with people is how Vasquez seems like such a real lived-in person in the way that she dresses, in the way that she acts, in the way that she feels like such a fully formed character and that's why she shows up a lot in you know other fiction which we'll get to later and why she you know pops up in, in fan art all the time and why she's so iconic i think is she feels real and so you know we know we've we've all read about how you know james cameron encouraged you all to customize your wardrobe and your harness and things like that but I'm wondering if you want to touch on some of that. Also, just when you realized that you were cast in this role, which you didn't know immediately, this was sort of a little bit of a journey to get to this point. And you right. found out, okay, I'm playing private first class Vasquez. How did you start building that character out? And were there inspirations in women you knew, women in fiction or elsewhere in your life? Or was this something that just sort of happened as the shoot was going on? Give us a little
2: window into that. Right, right. Oh, well, um, you know i read obviously when i read the screenplay i it's great great screenplay um a roller coaster and i i love the uh, her on the page was you know a description of her and um and and Ralston and mark Rawson's character that um they both were in juvenile prison serving a life life sentence for murder and I thought, that's, you know, that's the only thing you know about her, except that she was, you know, in a gang. She's a gang member. Um, And, you know, so you get little pieces and you start, like any character, you start kind of imagining, you know, who they are. She's in the army, you know. um, I mean, that's, that's the fun of being an actor. You get to create people. I mean, you usually don't get to put your creations on your, in your locker. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of times, I mean, the actors will do that. You know, you do that because that's the work and then nobody sees it and you hopefully, you know, it's for yourself. Um, so it's interesting that people saw the pictures that I actually put in the locker. Right. Um, and so, yeah, one of the pictures is, I imagine that it was my brother. It was out of the Richard Avedon book. Did you, I don't know if you know the, the pictures inside the locker. There's a picture of a, a guy, he's a carny, and he like, has almost like a snake sort of body. It's these incredible photographs. <laughs> Um, so I, in my imagination, I was like that, that's my brother. There was, uh, the Nicaraguans. I'd, I'd been to Nicaragua in, when did I, no, I went afterwards, but I was always fascinated with, um, the Sandinistas as when I was, you know, that age. And so I did a lot of reading about the female soldiers there. I knew a lot about, you know, the, the gangs in, in LA growing up there, did a lot of reading the, the, actually the, the El Riesgo Siempre Vive comes from a book of Chicana poetry So I was reading as Cherry Moraga, you know, there's a different writing that uh, the tagging that you do. And so I just, it was great, you know, you just do a ton of reading and you put it all together and you, you know, you create a real, a real person. So when things happen, you know how to live and react and, you know, so uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, the. You're, you're always taught as an actor to, to use what you have. You know, you, like if, you're, if you have a horrible cold that day, I mean, there's no like, I'm sick, I can't go to work kind of thing when you're an actor. And if you have like this most horrible headache, let's say, they say, use it. You can't pretend it's not happening. So why not just use it in the scene? You know, when something drops, sometimes you see like in a play, somebody drops something. It's like the most live moment ever because all of a sudden, you know, oh, my God, the, you know, the, the lamp almost fell. You know, and it's just incredibly live. That's what actors dream about is to, to make it seem like it's happening for the first time. And one of the gifts that I had um, was that huge weapon that was so heavy and so hard to stand upright and if i sort of let like people said oh my god the position you put yourself in was like a like a flamenco dancer and like you leaned back <laughs> and you did this you know this thing and i was like if i didn't hold hold that position i would have been pitched forward so the 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 stress and the pain of the the thing and being cold and being, all you use that and it worked perfectly for the situation I was in. You know, I was scared, I was cold, although it was supposed to be hot, but I was still freezing. (laughs) (laughs) We were supposed to be sweating, but we were freezing to death. Um, and so you just use all of that and then you, you know, um, my feeling of trying to keep that fear down. I mean, the, the interesting thing about Vasquez and Hudson, who I initially read for, I didn't read for him, but they gave me Hudson to read, which is crazy. And what they explained to me was that they are the, each other's foil. They're the opposite. And everything that, that Hudson just blurts out, his fear, his, and, it, and it makes sense because he's getting out in two weeks he 's almost there, I mean, that would make anybody crazy she 's never getting out, and that gave her that feeling of calm when you have nothing left to lose so but all that crazy fear is is it still in there, but she keeps the lid on it i don't know it' it was it was such a gift to play uh, an incredibly well written role no and, and it's amazing that how how people um have reacted to her because when i first described to Jim, you know, how I saw her and the tattoos and how she was. And, you know, there was this kind of thing in the 80s where, I don't know if it's probably still nowadays, you have to be likable. The audience, they have to empathize, identify with you, you know, especially if you're a woman. And he said, just forget, you know, please just don't, don't worry. Don't worry. You got this. Do whatever, you know, I trust you. I mean, that was the thing that was amazing that he just said, I trust you. And I'd never, you know, why did he trust me? I mean, that was just crazy. That's, I mean, that's Cameron.
4: I mean, it's a testament to you that on the page, maybe she didn't seem likable, but as far as the handle is concerned, she is one of the most revered characters. I mean, my daughters just saw it recently for the first time and they immediately fell in love with Vasquez. And so I know you have been doing the Comic Con circuit and you seem to be really involved with the fans and fandom. Has there been a specific story that has stood out as far as what Vasquez has meant to to fans around the world. You know, it's interesting.
2: Women, men come up to me all the time, different, you know, gay, straight. It's really interesting. I mean, like, you kind of think, oh yeah, a woman would come up to me. Maybe maybe a gay woman, because a lot of, I never talk about her sexuality, but a lot of, you know, because, oh, she's, she's gay, isn't she? And I'm like, well, you know, it's none of your business. She's never going to, you know. <laughs> I always say what Vasquez would say, none of your fucking business, you know. Um, but it's, um... It's really it's I'm doing actually I'm doing my first con in ages, not this weekend, but the next weekend in Chicago oh at God. a flashback weekend or something. So it's great. But, um, you know, it's great seeing little girls dressed up as her seeing little boys dressed up as her is great because I always dressed up as a little boy when I was a little girl because they were the cool, the cool ones. You know, I've had women, people come up to me to say that I was going through chemo and I just thought about that, that how Vasquez would react. I've had women say, you know, I, I was going to quit my job or leave my husband and I used, you know, <laughs> her strength to get through that. And a lot of, a lot of people say they joined the Marines because wow. of me. Wow. So, you know, don't know, don't know about that, but I mean, what, if, you know, it's number five. Um, lots of different stories. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing, you know, what, what people say? Why? Because they always ask. You know, they ask me. Oh, what, what's your opinion? Why do you think this character or aliens means last long? I was like, I don't know. You tell me. I mean, I like to hear. <laughs> really, really, I could tell you what me, Jeanette Goldstein, watching the movie loves about it. I mean, I love the practical effects. Oh, same. I mean, yeah, it's uh, they're just they're just amazing, especially that they can last because you know things get cheesy as you know technology moves. Every, you know, 30 seconds, it's incredible, but you can still watch it and you're just like, wow, that really, that still works. I, you know, I think every actor down to the smallest part is so good. You know, if you watch every scene, it's just really well drawn, you know, all, everyone. And, you know, of course, the direction, I mean, the editing, my God, you know, it's just like nonstop. And I love, my, my thing is it's a, it's a mother-daughter story through throughout through and through. You know, the ferocity of maternal maternal love.
3: Well human and alien.
2: Well yeah, yeah, no, the queen, the queen, but the same thing. It's maternal. Yeah. It's maternal. Exactly. Exactly.
0: One thing that we discuss on this show quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, And it certainly relates to your character, Vasquez, is the fandom of the alien, certainly the original alien films, but the alien saga in general is comprised mostly of men. There are certainly women, Andy being one of them, Um, (laughs) but the rallying around this sci-fi series that is led by women, Vasquez is only second to Ripley. People Mm -hmm. respond to her images, anything that has to do with that character, like they respond to Ripley. And I think... It's it's such a beautiful phenomenon and it doesn't matter how maybe stereotypically masculine she's acting or whatever that means to whoever men don't care straight cis men don't care about that kind of thing, they don't care that Ripley's the leader, they're responding to strength of character, and that is a testament to how well the character of Vasquez was written because certainly as everyone knows In the times that we live in, things can be divisive, things can be Mm -hmm. criticized as being too woke, but to see the series continue its legacy, being led by women, um, women who are taking over the classic men's role, is an incredible thing to me, and the amount of respect Vasquez gets from the fandom that is comprised of mostly men is staggering to me and it's it's a wonderful thing and it's it's something that has not been that okay. has not been replicated since then to my knowledge if anyone else has an example of that please let us know but i really i i can't go on enough about how powerful that is as a as a storytelling component that you have ripley and then Vasquez being the leaders of this, you know, that's what everyone pivots to. And I'm just more or less talking about it to show respect to you and the power of your performance. Why that sticks out to me so much is because I see so much criticism. And certainly in the age of social media, you see people criticizing, Everything, the way people act, everything. But then when you come to the character of Vasquez, and certainly Ripley, but Vasquez, it's hallowed ground. It's sacred territory. No one touches it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because, um, it, you know, it started the the whole, al- you know, alien. I remember when I first saw it, you know, um, went to see it with my, my father and my brother. And I remember being really struck by the <laughs> idea of the future, that it was they were in a trash can. They were trash collectors. It's like, of course, they're just working class Joes. You know, there were men and women because who cares if you could, you know, the future was like, you know, who it's just a shitty paid job and here they are. So it was, I, I remember being struck by that going, oh, it's not fancy. Of course, of course, it's not like super glossy stuff. There's going to be the the working class Joes. And then so Cameron continued that on because um, you know, he his the name for the film was, you know, grunts in space. That was his like working title. And it was all it was, you know, a war film, how the 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 inf- infantryman gets, you know, gets fucked over by the brass and, and all of that. The same, the same theme there. And you know, he created a future where you do the job, you're respected, if you don't. You're not. Ripley, they were like, what do you mean? You Who are you? She's still suffering PTSD. Oh, yeah. You know, how many years ago? And then, you know, they get stuck with this novice sergeant who's probably dad got him. The, you know, that it's the same old story. Um, I mean, he, he ends up redeeming himself. <laughs> but I like the fact that it wasn't like, oh, look at her. She's a big, strong woman And the you know, it by not mentioning it and it just being normal, normalizing, it became so strange, you know, because you're so used to being led by the hand, you know, and, and you know, having a little girl there being the, the heroine and not running away. And, and that's unusual. I never got to see a film as a, with a little girl being the hero. Ever. I mean, hardly, you know, there was Pippi Longstockings, I think, was like the closest because she was kind of naughty or something. I don't know. You know, know.
4: same. I was her age when I saw the film. I was like a little bit older than new. So Mm -hmm. for me, that just meant the world because she was smart. She, you know, obviously, like she survived and no one else did. And at at one point, she even guides them, like she's the one leading them out all across the board, even Pharaoh, even Dietrich, yeah. every character, you know, like you were saying, and I love what you said about it's just about being competent. You know your shit, you're yeah. you're there. And so I feel like reading up on how James Cameron operates and even just the filming of aliens. Um, do you feel like was that a sense of just how he operates too with with Gail as the producer and you know, her being taken seriously. Was Yeah, it just- no,
2: he he's very much like that. I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't go to film school. I mean, he worked at Corman. He he grew up, you know, on the Canadian side of um what is it, um, Niagara Falls and drove a truck and you know, he's has a big family and, and so he worked at Cor you know, and it's like if you can do the job, it doesn't matter where you went. Now Gail went to a fancy school, which is really funny because she went to Stanford and she comes from a fancy family, you know, and she was funny, it was like, she said, oh, the only way that, you know, she could work in film, you know, okay, be a producer. You could work with them. And so she said she did a tour of the Corman factory and um, the film studio. <laughs> and she was tells that she sees this guy, Jim, he's in the he's, you know painting set and he gives her this whole tour. And she just figured just by his confidence that he was like the head of set, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the set designer. He's, oh yeah, I met the head of set. he's like, who? Oh, no. He's just the guy who's painting That you know. I mean, the way that he chose me, chose Robert Patrick, you know, chose the, everybody who's worked with him, it's, you do the job, you know, you work with him and he will then keep working with you if you, if you fit the next thing and you can do it. If you, if it's not right, you don't, you, you someone else, I mean, I like that, you know, again, good people and they give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same idea
5: i want to um i have a quick i want to say something and then i want to ask a question there are two things i don't want to forget because we're kind of circling around a particular scene talking about newt leading the way talking about gorman redeeming himself So i want to bookmark that but before i do i want to say i'm the father of two young boys who Uh fight over who gets to be vasquez every time we play colonial marines and Mm -hmm. i also was that young boy because when i saw aliens like i wanted to grow up to be you to be your character and it didn't like you were the first kenner figure i ever got that wasn't a xenomorph uh, you know, Vasquez was the first NECA figure that I got That was a human that wasn't an alien When they released that a few years ago uh, Vasquez, like for me as a, as, a, as a man growing up And as a young boy, it was always by far the coolest one The tip of the spear, the one that I wanted to emulate And it honestly wasn't until this podcast When I started being on the show five years ago or four years ago That it even occurred to me that that was like not always like, I never even thought about the fact that like Oh, that's kind of cool that like that was a, a woman that whole time Because it just yes. didn't even occur to me
2: yeah, it's you know? funny. It's it's funny. I mean, I, right now you know there's all this talk of the gender and all this, and but you know you don't you don't think of that when you're a kid. You you just run around and play and yeah. you know and ask you know why can't I do that? You know that's what, like you know little little girls it was like why not? You know, <laughs> my, my my I was always like because I I had a brother and it was always like why can't I walk home alone? And you know, they don't want to say because you might be raped and murdered. You know they don't <laughs> <never try> not <laughs> the. You know the reality of this, but you right. know, that's unfair. That's unfair. I'm gonna, you know, and then like, okay, you go with you know. But it's interesting, you know. the sort of, um, I think a lot of um, girls, or at least what I, I when I was a little girl, I mean, I was a tomboy. You just want to um, have some agency, and and you know what I a lot of what I when I modeled uh, Vasquez after, aside from the specific, you know, obviously who she was, was this thought that you know women are so. Like this idea of like, oh, women are tough. How weird is that? It's like, oh, have you ever seen a lunch lady who, you know, who's a mother who gets on a bus and then works on, I, I mean, what world do you live in? That I mean, that's, you know, it's Hollywood. How, how Do you not live in the world? You know, do you not know my grandmother? You know, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> you know it's like, it's kind of crazy. So oh, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I know. It's, it's funny. It's weird. It's, it's just this, it's odd. It's, you know.
4: Well, I think um, we have this, like, you know, Hollywood sort of paints a picture of like the fragile woman or the, the loving mother. And you could be both, you know, like you could be kick-ass and loving and nurturing and, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, Ripley, you know, and, and just, again, every character in Aliens just proves that. So. Yeah, no, no.
2: I mean, it's it comes from the story, you know, the writing and and the yep. yeah. It's always it always just comes from the writing. I and mean, if you're an actor and you're and you're doing a script that's bad writing, that's that is hard. That is really hard <laughs> when it's not you know when it's not on the page. I mean, and then that's but that's you know the job a lot of times you know, you. You figure out what to do, you know how to how to make the writing better.
5: The scene that I wanted to circle back around to just briefly—it's always been one of my favorite moments in the film, and it actually came up when we did our previous episode, which was a an 35th anniversary roundtable as a, a favorite scene of, of other people as well. And it's specifically your death scene um, with Gorman, uh, and uh, not yours, but Vasquez's death scene with Gorman. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I have always been struck by this look in your eyes as you're as you're holding the pin down on the grenade and you're you know holding his hands uh, and it's it's it always strikes me as this moment where to me it feels almost like we're seeing who Vasquez really was at the core of her or something there's something very pure about that moment so if you don't have an answer for this, that's completely fine. But if you can give me, just as a fan, some sort of an insight into what was going through your head when you were shooting that? What was what was Vasquez thinking?
2: Part of my uh, my idea when I was wanting to portray her, aside from the fact that, you know, she's brave because she's, you know, she's never going anywhere. I mean, this, she's in prison and, you know, when you have nothing left to lose. However, she was not, I always had this image of, if I'm going to die, I'm going to jump through the window. I'm not going to be thrown through it. That was that was like what it that idea. I I am going to do it myself. So that was sort of what was going on. Um I think it really shocked her that he did come back for her. But of course that, you know. And then it just, you know, it's it's terrible, you know, you're not going to see your I mean I guess she wasn't I mean ever going to see, you know, her kid again or whatever or you know, that's it's pretty but that that was the end, you know, she was not gonna be eaten by this this thing. That that was her promise to herself. That if it came down to it, that she was gonna pull the trigger.
3: You start the movie with the largest weapon and you end <laughs> the movie with the smallest weapon. But the whole way through, whether it's the smart gun, pulse rifle, pistol, or grenade, Vasquez kicks ass. And that is such a fantastic, first of all, it's, it's great scripting or, or plotting by James Cameron. But you look so iconic with each of these smaller and smaller weapons. I still wouldn't want to run into you in a in a bed, <laughs> you know if, you, if all you had was a grenade. You know, oh, <laughs> bravo on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it. I mean, I I never had held a gun, and and actually, Gail shot a lot. You know, her and Jim would shoot, and you know, Catherine they so they taught me a lot about how you know the idea is you learn how to use it, and then you just. Make it look like you've use it all the time and, and and yeah it was it was hard you know trying not to look like you know the noise was so loud and the, the things are hitting you, and you know all of all of that sort of that that was difficult. But, um, you know, you make it like it's, it's your prop. I mean, with any, any actor, you know, like you've got to make peace with your prop. <laughs> it becomes part of you.
3: Ironically, it also mirrors Hudson's bravado when he, he, he tar- starts his list with, we've got nukes and ends it with, we've got sharp sticks. <laughs> right.
2: And, and right, there you right.
3: were, not saying it, but doing it. You were the, you were the foil.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. With the, I forgot it. Yeah, of course.
3: There's a fan theory, and I want you to debunk it. Okay. if you want to, that when you say you always were an asshole Gorman, it's because Vasquez and Gorman had known each other from childhood. And there was the star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet thing. Maybe he drove by in, in his hover Corvette while she was <laughs> in the ghetto. Go.
2: That's a, that's a great sort of prompt for a, for fanfic. That's fantastic. <laughs> I would love to write that. Or has somebody written that? Is that uh, That's as far as it goes. That's (laughs) great. I love that. That's great. I can tell Bill that.
0: (laughs) My question is how much interaction you guys had with Sigourney in terms of at least setting up the dynamic of your your crew. You know each other well. You're getting to know each other before they start shooting the film to, to build that camaraderie. And then Sigourney eventually comes in. What kind of interaction did you guys have during the shoot? Was it, I mean there are photos of course that we see everyone singing um the behind the scenes polaroids all that kind of thing but did you guys socialize quite a bit outside of
2: no no i mean it was interesting so the it it helped the fact that we were there together like you said she was doing a film on the continent and so we got you know we were all together and you know kind of similar age and howling around and and you know and she She's the big movies, You know, she comes in. So already, there's that thing of like, you know, the outsider kind of, you know, um, I mean, the nicest person in the world, of course. But also, just the fact that she's in every scene. Just about, you know, at the end of the day, all of us exhausted. We were just, you know, sent home where we're working outside of London. So you just get in the car and you fall asleep and arrive at your flat. And there was not time to socialize with. Sigourney there but that worked with the the script but she certainly you know stood up for us I mean that was the great thing I mean she was the one who had you know she had a certain power of being the star. so she she was good she's very you know she's from the theater too and and you know this was an ensemble.
5: I want to be respectful of your time and and just uh say we have about about 10 minutes left until we're at the hour but I think we all would really love a chance to get a little more time with Bill Paxton, if we can tonight, because you guys were very close and he's such a beloved part of fandom who, um, like you, was somebody that I always dreamed I would be able to meet. Um, Can you give us a little bit of just a window into who he was and what it was like to work with him?
2: Bill? Oh my God. Um, So, I mean, you know, when you meet him, he is just like, you know, he's like a down home, you know, he's from Texas and, you know, Wild Bill, they call him Wild Bill Paxton. His, His early films, he has that in his (laughs) <laughs> his thing, the thing about him, you know, he, he, you know, he was like this good old boy, you know, that was kind of his thing like this, you know, shit kicking good old boy, just goofball. But the thing about is that he was so part of, I'm not saying it was an act, but it was just one facet of him because the, him knowing every single person's name, you know, on the crew and hi, he would say, you know, I work at that. I make sure I know everybody's name. My father taught me that you look a man in the eye and you reach your arm out and you shake. Great family man. I mean, I, met, I remember going out to dinner with his dad. His dad came into town a couple of times. You know, he loved fine lines and, you know, Bill and and art, you know, big art collector. Bill's an art collector. And just um, great family man and generous to a fault. I mean, I saw him, my husband, and loved him and everybody did. I mean, his, you know, he'd like, he was great. I mean, the the last, the last time I saw him, he was talking about directing, you know, he loved directing, absolutely adored it. And he was, you know, trying to put a film together and we were out, we were at a a con at a, you know, at um, one of the cons. And he was talking with um, one of the guys from the walking dead, you know, Norman, Reedus, and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, you know, because he's like, you know, I, he was having trouble, you know, which was so ironic, you know, to get a film made, you know, he's <laughs> sort of, and he, he's just so fun. It was the funniest, sweetest guy, you know, and, and at his memorial, I mean, from his punk rock days and the musicians and the weird indie filmmakers to, you know, all the, the stars, Ron Howard and all of that. I mean... We were just laughing and crying and, you know, it was, it was really obviously shocking, shocking to everyone. A good, good life lived. Wish it could have been a lot longer.
1: I'm ready, man. Ready to get it
4: on. Get yeah. Go!
0: What do your kids think about, Not, I know that they're grown, but... Course you have all these people rallying around Vasquez and they love her and they think she's awesome. What do your kids think about that character? Do they, is it funny to them? What are they, what's their opinion? That's funny. I don't know.
2: Um, let me think. About- one of them
5: just walked by behind you. Is that one
2: of them? Your- <laughs> no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that <was> my husband. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's really cool. He is the king of the geeks. That's what he calls him <laughs> himself. Because he married Vasquez and Diamondback. And he, yes. he's the manager yes. of a, a, a theater in San Francisco. And so he got to see the, you know, the original. So anyway. <laughs> but then my kids, you know, I guess it's funny, I would get calls, you know, from like, hey, hey, it's go tell Jose that that you're, you know. You're really Vasquez, you know? It's like win the bet. I would like I would win bets a lot for people because they wouldn't believe people who I was, or you know, that was a big. I don't know. It's funny. I mean, I the weird thing is I look Vasquez looks like one of my kids um, <laughs> when when he was that age, which is so funny. I can show you pictures side by side and we look alike. I, I really don't know. I think the most my daughter is is actually more interested that I was in Titanic. Mm-hmm. That was that's her thing because that makes her kind of like one separation between Leonardo Caprio.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. My daughter would be the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She didn't really
2: care about me. But was like, yeah.
3: <laughs> so are we gonna talk about this uh, this music video? The
4: music video.
2: Yeah,
3: before yeah. yes. oh, oh, we wrap, we gotta talk about this.
2: That was so much fun. I mean that's the thing with, with Bill and Jim, and I mean, it's just getting a bunch of, of people together. To have fun, and he he made this. There was so many people. It, it was it was so hot. <laughs> I remember we were we were just we were just doing a favor for some. You know, everybody was just kind of making up their characters, I and mean, I was like, couldn't believe it. It was Bud Cork. I was just like, oh my God, it's Bud Cork. You know, Harold and Ma. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. You know, it was it was nutty. I mean, his that whole band that he was in was kind of a crazy part of his life, and and. Jim filming it and I don't know it's it's kind of like the best home movie that's how when I when I see it it is it's really like a home movie I'm just like oh my god Catherine Bigelow is Clint Eastwood you know you know (laughs) she has like the Clint Eastwood sort of character in there with the cigarette you know (laughs) uh, I don't know what else about what about, about that video did you have you is it playing on YouTube or something I don't Yeah! Oh
5: yeah! Yeah, Yeah. we should put a link to it in the show notes. We we, should. should Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
2: That's really cool. Yeah, but it sort of very very eighties.
5: It creates that
3: triumvirate, though, of aliens and near dark, and this music video of were they just always hanging out together? You know. in our imagination
2: (laughs) i mean in a in an odd you know kind of yeah in a weird in a weird way i mean it's it's just it's really i mean one of the gals who's like she would passed away she was i guess was she in college with bill in art college and then her daughter just shopped at my store i saw the last name and i'm like oh my god that's i mean there's just like layers and layers of people who kind of hung around they were in the music industry or the film industry some some got famous some got famous and then not get they didn't get famous right. you know then they're you know but it's it's just like a big a big family of of people who kind of were well it's guy's nice, creative and nice. good that it's on film you can see some of <laughs> so.
4: <laughs> so speaking of family I was wondering if it was okay if my two daughters just said hello I'm sure they um like I said, they watched Aliens recently and uh, immediately fell in love with Vasquez. Sorry, they're maneuvering. So they just wanted to say a quick hi.
2: Hi. hi.
4: <laughs> oh my goodness. How old are you guys? Hi. Do you want to ask a question?
2: Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask if you had like any funny stories when you were filming Aliens. Funny. um, Well, the probably was that they I went to where they had you've seen the whole movie. Yep. Okay, it's pretty scary. So, you know, the face hugger. Yeah. Thing. So when they weren't filming, they the guys who were doing like the robot part of it because it was kind of like a robot. Said, "Oh, take a look at it. Take a, and, and me and Bill Paxton Hudson. We went to. we like, oh, look at that. It's really he goes. Oh, look closer. And then they made the thing work. And it went. Bleh, 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 at us. <laughs> <laughs> so they awesome. they like to scare us. So what was their favorite part of the movie? Um, I really like the end when Ripley's fighting the queen with the power loader. Yeah, it. that was cool. That was that was really really cool. Thank you for letting us come on. Sure,
4: There's- sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you, girls.
0: We have one more thing and then we're gonna wrap.
4: Thank you for that. Oh, of course. How old are they? The blonde just turned nine and um maybe my oldest is gonna be 13 and 13. Oh
2: you didn't ask me if I was really doing the push the pull-ups. Oh <laughs>
3: Yeah, tell us. Do people ask
0: you that?
2: Yes, they do. And <laughs> I I had said when they were shooting it, I said, you better shoot my feet because I don't want anyone to think that they're so good. I know, I know, which of course, now I would have to, but no, I did, I can believe it, yeah. Your form is
5: impeccable. You you, you can tell that you took weight training very seriously, you know? And I know you did it in the months before you were cast too. That was oh, a, no, a really I did big it. hobby I did of it. yours, right?
2: I did, no, no, I did it for two years. Oh yeah, no, no, I well i I'd, I'd been um a gymnast competitive gymnast when i was when i was younger um before high school so i was very athletic and i used to i used to weightlift you know to train for gymnastics and then when i left drama school in london i would go i would live right next to a, an old um gym boxing and a bodybuilding gym. Where like mr Britton worked out and this miss, miss you know is this really old fashioned and this is the eighties and women did not lift weights. And I thought it was so cool. So I started, I started training. So no, that's, that was the product of two very full years of heavy, heavy training. And I was at the peak of my condition. I'd never been like that ever. It was like kind of weird timing where I just happened to be in that kind of shape. Um, and uh, yeah, no. And, and I remember Gail and her to ask me, you know, cause she didn't, she couldn't believe I was a, an actress. She thought I was a bodybuilder. I said, no, I'm an actress, but I just, I'm long story. I just do this. And then she was like, do you know other actresses in, you know, in London I don't hard know any other women who, you know, I mean, I, I just, so, but yeah, no, I, those were my pull-ups. I did those
5: love that. And, and, and your physicality is, is what gives you such grace with those huge weapons and what gives you such poise going into battle. I mean, like the, you can tell the work really paid off and it is such an indelible part of that, that character. Speaking of indelibility, before we sign off, um, we're curious if something uh, was brought to your attention or not. Um, and also just to show Christian has a better cover than I do, but um, for the 35th anniversary of Aliens, Marvel commissioned Benjamin Percy, who's one of the biggest writers working in comics to do a, an all new um, one shot, double one shot. Uh, and it features as a, the main character, Vasquez's nephew. Uh, and there's a wonderful sequence in it where he comes across the smart gun and he comes across you know, other accoutrements and he remarks yeah. on like the legacy of your character. And we had Benjamin Percy on the show a couple of months ago in the lead up to this. And he was going on and on about Vasquez and about what an inspiration Vasquez was for him. And uh, so I, I wanted to know if you knew about this comic, but also just in general, um, if you're aware, I think, of the legacy that this character has on people in all stripes across all different walks of life, because you come up all the time on this show. You
2: know, I don't, I don't really, what, what, what comic is that or what, what is?
5: It's called Aliens Aftermath.
2: Uh-huh. And, and it come out
5: that is... for the 35th anniversary.
2: Aliens yeah. Aftermath, Benjamin Percy.
5: Yeah, Just came out last week.
2: Oh, wow. I mean, my husband's a big comic collector and it's always fascinating. I'd love to read. I'd love to read that. He's gonna my husband's gonna get a present. Vasco's his nephew. That's interesting. Yeah, huh. that's a new one. That's really oh that's that's really creative. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's funny. I mean I have a I have a a good friend who he um he manages a movie movie theater in my neighborhood and he was this this um, Guatemalan refugee, gay, very effeminate. Um, and he used to tell me, my God, you know, I, he said, Oh my God, I I identified with her so much. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, can you tell me (laughs) kind of strange, you know what I mean? Tell me, he goes, well, I know it was just because I was an outsider and, you know, she didn't have to say much and she stood up for herself and it was, you know, it was so interesting, you know, it's like stellar opposite in physicality to her, but he had this like connection to her, you know? And so. I don't know, I'm always, it's fascinating. It's fascinating people's connection with, with her.
0: Yeah, so. so much so that I, I don't know if you've seen Army of the Dead, Netflix's biggest, latest, where you, yeah. What you I, have of,
2: not, I have not seen it, but I have seen it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Is it good? It's it's thrilling to see someone essentially take over the role of Vasquez, even though she has a different name. She has your bandana and everything. Right. Um, it, but it's just interesting to see how powerful that legacy is that they essentially recreated Vasquez for this film.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'd be scared to do that as an actor. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I know they, I mean, they tried, they were uh, a couple of times. They tried to remake, um, near dark. Really? Oh. And I just thought, Oh my God, I pity oh. the actor who has to, who, who's, who's going to be cast as Bill's character, Bill Paxton's, you know, just cause, and I'm so glad it did. It didn't, it didn't happen. I forget when this was during the, um, what was that vampire time in the nineties? Uh, the twilight era. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the twilight <laughs> era. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen. There's a channel, a cable channel where they're there. They have uh, near
4: dark playing.
0: Yeah. It's I think Shut it's her. on, it's on Amazon Shut too. Okay. Shutter. Yeah, yeah. Shutter,
4: yeah. Yeah. It's on Amazon.
0: If anyone has anything else, this is probably a good time to wrap. I just kind of want to give the floor to you. Jeanette, um, is there anything that people that you would love people to ask you that they don't ask?
2: No, I don't. I mean, I'm always game to ask, answer any, any question that people have. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. How
5: about this? How about instead of necessarily (laughs) a, instead of a question, what, what about, because there are going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people listening to this, who will be very jealous of the fact that we got to talk to you tonight. So, if you want to say something to them, to all of those fans at home listening to this episode in their car, in their subway train, on a run, if you want to send a <laughs> message from Jeanette Goldstein to our fans, what would it be?
2: Oh my goodness, love! No pressure, Jeanette. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, podcast. I'm always going for walks and listening to it. You know, it's um, God. It's so strange. Um, You know, you were saying how how it's funny how I I had said I had my life all planned out for me. You know, as a little girl, I was going to go. I was going to go to New York and, you know, be on Broadway. I mean, none of these things happened. I was never on Broadway. I was going to go to to, I did go to London, but I never worked for the RSC and how I was. I said, I'm never going to go to Hollywood and be in film and TV and then somehow I I managed to come back to Los Angeles. I mean, it's just it's an interesting um, thread of just kind of kind of doing what is interesting to you, and like you said, working with with good people and people who give a shit. It doesn't matter. I mean, the same thing with what I'm doing now, doing in business, which is kind of crazy i just i love meeting meeting people meeting men and women in the store and talking to them about their lives and so i guess what i'm saying to everybody out there is just thanks for um enjoying the film and listening to what i had to say
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we are so grateful that you took an hour and some minutes of your day to talk with us it is maybe you know not to you but for us it is a dream come true you again you are second your character is second to ripley um and we could not be more grateful so thank you for your time tonight
2: oh of course thank you so much thank you love meeting your daughters
4: (laughs) (laughs) All all right have a good night
0: Welcome back to the show. This is the discussion portion of our Vesquez episode. Uh, We are joined by our regular contributors, Maj and Perry. Thanks for joining us for this discussion, fellas.
1: Yeah, thank you for letting us sit in. Yeah, so Maj and Perry were sitting
0: in. Yeah, they were sitting in. On with our or on the interview with Vasquez or Vasquez with Jeanette Goldstein, and uh, we just thought it would be a great moment to debrief on that and talk about what it meant to us and how powerful it was. And towards the end, I know for me, I all of a sudden had all these questions I wanted to ask her, but you know it was too late. But it it was just very surreal.
6: It was also very just listening to you guys chatting with her. It was so human and genuine and sweet like there there were just so many moments where i was thinking like wow like what a cool human being and like what uh an amazing opportunity to have to be sitting here because i would have never have thought that as a child like watching getting into these films getting into the franchise and knowing that you know i'm going to be in a room Virtually sitting like talking to Jeanette Goldstein about her character Vasquez like that's so awesome and she was so sweet uh, to talk about all the things that um, she talked about with you guys and um, the questions she answered and I, yeah I was I was in love and just nostalgic moment again for me I I love that I was in, I was telling Madge we were communicating back and forth during it but I was like, dude, I'm in heaven right now. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when Patrick brought when he when he decided to ask about a Bill Paxton story, we were just going back. And forth, he did it. He did it. We wanted like yeah, <laughs> dying yeah. for that. And yeah, so sweet. Such a, like it is really cool even just to to have the with the advent of video chat that actually works cuz remember video chat like in 2004 <laughs> that was awful. But um like just to be able to see her face And hear her and um, it it does it yeah it feels like you're sitting with her just shooting the breeze and she was that type of person it was really nice and it was just cool that she was so um relaxed and cool and in a way that's like um i had to keep reminding myself like who we were listening to and i was like wow this is such a cool opportunity but i want to hear about your guys's um experience
4: So talk about a trial by fire with my first interview. I mean, hello. Uh, But I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. She just made you feel like you were just talking to a friend. And so as it kept progressing, you know, we, I think we were just all really comfortable with her. And that was, um, you know, she, that, that was her way about her. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we were all completely dying inside at various levels but um I know I was but it was uh it was just nice to you know she's Vasquez to us but she's a person she's a human just like us and she just you know like we shot the shit if that's a saying you know it was like shooting the breeze so I I loved every second of it so thank you guys for letting me be a part of this
1: thanks for coming on yeah your daughter's got some of the best stuff out of her
4: i know right (laughs) yeah (laughs) put her in
0: charge (laughs) well that's one thing that came up that i honestly never even realized uh newt compared to the rest of the team i mean her only other equal in terms of her being calm was ripley and maybe vasquez so all of the you know, the women or the, the cisgendered women or whatever were the leaders. And I've never really seen Newt that way before the way that it was talked about, the way she brought it up. I was like, oh, wow, this is really, really true that she was in her own way, a hero of the story. Um, And so it's, it's great to hear new ways of looking at something that we've seen how many times between us, 200 times, maybe more.
3: I figure we get one life, right? And I feel like we just talked to someone who is really living their life and is so thankful for the opportunities that she's had, but also embracing what, what life is throwing at her and that she could reflect back on the things that she's already done, but be so excited about what she's currently doing and how the two kind of blend together. Like The fact that she stays in contact with other actors from all the projects and that she's active at conventions,
1: it just makes me so happy to hear that. Yeah, it's cool to see that you can act in films being really the highest profile things imaginable. T2, Titanic. I forgot she was in Titanic. And and then, yeah, life goes on. You're sitting in your kitchen with your husband and then, you know, talking about old memories. It's pretty cool. It's actually kind of a comforting idea. And she was a comforting presence for sure.
5: Yeah, considering how nervous we were going into it it was nice that she was like oh, come on in i really felt like we were just like sitting in her kitchen hanging out i also something that stuck out to me a lot was when she you know we were asking about the legacy of her character of course and she said that she would kind of rather hear us talk about it she was like i always like to hear what why it means so much to fans and then she said i can tell you what jeanette goldstein the movie theater goer thinks about aliens and it was just so surreal to hear that because then she was talking like one of us, you know, like she was talking like one of the people who were on this podcast all the time as somebody who's just, you know, consuming the film and a fan of it. Um, and that was like such a, an interesting perspective shift because we forget sometimes that these people did this almost 40 years ago. You know, this thing is, is it's really from from the past and they've spent way more of their lifetimes out of these characters than in them, right? Like this was just a few months for her. And yet, you know, there's this like, you know, she's forever immortalized as this, you know, in her mid twenties as this figure in this movie that now has gone on and done all these other things with her life and has the ability to watch this movie and go to conventions and hear people talk about it and come on podcasts. Uh, And the perspective of looking back and then looking back with her the eyes that she has now, I think was really just interesting and kind of unexpected for me. I really appreciated that a lot.
4: I I think just from what I've read and, and heard, I I think everyone involved in this movie is a true hardcore fan of this movie. I think they all know how special it was, uh, it is and continues to be. Um, and I agree with you. I loved hearing that perspective because um, they wouldn't be talking about it still, you know, if it didn't have this lasting power. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard an actor say that like oh let me come you know from the perspective of the movie giver so i i think that was great i loved it
0: to the point of really good art i think the best art is like a living document it's something that changes and grows and moves with us and i feel like even though to your point patrick 35, 40 years, you know, that's the next milestone. This film feels like it was made last week, because these characters are alive with us. And as I was looking at her, I just took a moment towards the end just to really look in her face. I mean, obviously, I was looking at her the whole time when she was talking and back at everyone. But I was looking at her and I was like, this is Vasquez in her own way. This character is her. Yes, she was it was a performance. But that performance came from her. And so I was like, I'm looking into where this character went and it's in her own way as Jeanette Goldstein. And it was really just a wow moment to be able to spend an hour and 15 minutes with ostensibly Vasquez, you know, and, uh, Talk to her and find out what's going on in her life. Even though, again, this was a role that she played. It's more than just a role that she played. And it's a testament that we, you know, we're talking and listening to her, um like she's a den mother because she is for us. You know, we want to know everything. We want to hear her wisdom. Uh, I, I couldn't get enough. Again, by the end of it, I was like, I had like three more questions I wanted to ask her, and uh, all of a sudden, I was searching and reaching for questions at the beginning at at the beginning. And by the end I'm like, Oh no, I want to ask this. No, I want to ask this, but maybe another time, but it was just, it was really surreal and it was humbling to be in her digital presence for sure.
3: Patrick, your, your question about her death scene triggered one of the most interesting answers from her for me, which was that Vasquez was never going to get out. Even if she survives this encounter and they get off the planet and then she's not slip but she said something that i'd never heard before she said uh, that she'll never get to see her daughter or her yes. son yeah yeah like, ooh i know you've got more more of a character plot than you've let on and and it was painful it was that moment of um, the idea of a life sentence served in in the military is just as bad as served in the in the jail if you can't see the people that you love
5: so yeah, she got I me that was that was really powerful for me too. And another thing that stuck with me was when she said, I decided early on that I would jump through the window, and not be thrown through it. Mhm. Yeah. That was another, I was like for one thing that's a really great quote, but also that says everything you need to know about Vasquez and that says a lot about like she we see her jump through that window in the end and we see that moment of like real agency and acceptance and complexity. And it's something that she said that has also stuck with me was Then I think it's something that I notice every time I watch the movie, which again is thousands of times probably at this point, that there is she is not this like indomitable, impossibly strong, stoic person. She's really fucking brave. But in addition to that, she's complex and she's maybe scared, right? She's she's a fully fledged person doing brave things. And it's those moments like that's why I wanted to ask her about her eyes in that moment, because I always see that in that moment. I see that like she is not just the tip of the spear going into into the you know building first. She's also Jeanette, you know. She's this person. She's this this person with a story and a life that ends in that moment, and a person realizing that as it happens, even though she knew it was coming, even though she went there. I mean, because you see it even during the briefing scene. You see, you know, she's like joking around and giving Ripley shit and saying it's not real, and then as it starts to dawn on her that this is actually. legitimate situation you see her mindset shift and you see that warrior come out but you also see this sense of okay maybe this is the one where i have to jump you know Mm -hmm. and as the as they lose members and as things grow more dire there's this 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 sort of this wonderful sense of quiet about the surviving members even about gorman towards the end where you get this sense there's this creeping acceptance that like their story does have an ending and they're walking into it, but they're, but then not everybody has an ending in this moment and they're going to do whatever the fuck it takes to make sure that others can make it through this. And like, I think Christian, I think you might've brought this up on, on our round table, you know, her death scene triggers the next sequence, right? Which is, yeah. which is something that is so interesting when you go back and watch the movie, that sense of fate pounding away throughout this whole film is so strong. And to me, Vasquez, is a character who knows that Vasquez is a character who is listening to the drums of fate beating the entire time. And she is not, she's not listening to it. She's fucking beating those drums as she goes. Hmm. And she's like, we are, we are, we are doing this, right? Um, Even if she's scared. As I said in our text thread, I was like holding back tears the whole time just because it was kind of an overwhelming moment in my life to talk to her like that. But that was a moment I was really, fighting it because like i have wanted to ask her that since i was a kid like literally since i was an actual kid i've been curious what was going through her mind at the end because when i've lost people in my own life you know i think back to that scene a lot i think back to the people i know who have had brave deaths who have faced it with this real sense of calm and peace and 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 an awareness that stories do have endings but how they end partly is up to you and I'm really glad that she addressed that because I felt the sense of fulfillment as a, as a lifelong alien fan that I got to hear that from her, you know?
6: Can I add on to that, Patrick? Thanks for sharing that. Um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, Christian, to your point, I I just want to say like for cinema over art, like arcing film in totality, like the characters, uh, Jamie, you brought this up with her. um, the, how strong the characters are in this film right and and you look at that's just why it's just such a stand-up movie like all of these actors really brought it and really i, I mean christian patrick you're talking about character development that um i know i come from a little bit of an acting background just a little bit but um you know those are definitely some things you want to think about or like how am i going to act this scene and make it believable and it's just like why i love films and acting i think from this era and why i i feel so connected to them um because i feel like we don't always get that nowadays in what comes out of hollywood um and i'm not ragging on movies there's plenty of good films that come out of there like this film is so unique in that way and these characters are so unique in that way and you're there with her you're there in that vent and you're like oh my God, like, what would you do in that moment? And would you be willing to hold that grenade and press the button too and do that thing? And that's how you would feel. And you really get that from that look in her eyes, Patrick. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that scene is so strong for me too, every time I watch it. And, and uh, it's just, yeah, back goes back to the testament of her acting, what she brought to that and um the the writing and the the characters and everything like that and the the piece she said about how james cameron said they were talking about how like being a woman in the role and like what she should add to the her costume and things like that and he's like don't worry about all that just like i trust you yeah i trust you and like i feel like that is just so cool to hear that from her and know that that those are the sorts of conversations going on um because i doubt those are, um, I doubt a lot of that sort of conversation is going on now in Hollywood when they're, you know, making uh, movies nowadays. So it's just cool that he gave her the freedom and then and the power and all of that to do that.
3: I love to praise the economy of aliens. But if you think about that scene, it is simultaneously Gorman's redemption. But it doesn't take away from Vasquez. This is, this is her Hero's death, right? She dies a warrior. Yep. He's he's almost just there to, so she doesn't die alone. You know, there there's a vigil almost. But then the plot says, yes, but, and how the explosion knocks Newt down and now we have a new problem. And it, oh my God, I just, you could teach a class. There probably people do teach classes on how to make your narrative keep propelling forward. And it just, without ever losing those character moments. You know? Never. And I, I know that I, I I lightened the mood by mentioning the whole, you know, star-crossed lovers, but um, <laughs> it's a great moment. It is such a good moment. And and it's, it's what Gorman needed to finish his character, but it also shows us that Vasquez was always the badass we thought she was right up to the end.
4: Well, going back to, you know, the writing and, uh, you know, and comparing movies now to back then, <clears throat> Movies had time to breathe back then. They were given that time to breathe, to set up that stage, and everything, like you were saying, in the, I think the last, the thirty-fifth um, anniversary uh, roundtable, um, you know, everything is there for a reason to set the next thing. And so, by the time all these characters die, even halfway through the movie, and half the Marines we didn't even know, we barely knew, we felt it. My girls were so sad when they all started going. They're like, not Frost. Like, they, you know, he said like four words. Um, And I remember feeling the same way. Like, because even if they had one line, it it told us they were funny or that they were kind or that they, you know, were observant or whatever it was. Um, And so the longer we got to be with them, like Vasquez and Hudson and Hicks, like the more... You know, they meant something, which rarely happens now because it's just bigger explosions and, you know, how much can we cram in? But they're forgetting the most important part to cram in there, which is the character um, and the story and their stories. So the fact that every one of them had a backstory that they prepared, that they were given and to kind of work with and run with, you can tell she just ran with and, and going back to like her having a son or, you know, a child somewhere, um, you can see that in their faces, in their, in their acting. This is why we're still talking about it 35 years later.
6: You always were an asshole, Gorman.
0: And to your point, Andy, really, as we've discussed the, the recipe, the magic of aliens and how James Cameron and crew got that right, they got it right because they put in the work. They got it right because they got that cast together two weeks early. They got it right because they had a, a director slash writer who said, I'm just writing these women as people and not as women and not, you know, that's why they got it right. They didn't get it right because the lines were funny or because of all of the things that you think about, Oh, you know, other writers when they write stories and they have funny lines, that's for instance, underwater, we were just talking about underwater and one of the characters, I can't remember his name has these funny lines and he's kind of annoying. He's not bill Paxton because Hudson was funny because he was nervous. Hudson was funny because he was under duress and having an anxiety attack. We found it funny, but it really wasn't funny. And Jeanette's discussion about who Vasquez was and the work that she put into the character, again, really was an example of this is how you get it right. This is how you write a story. This is how you tell a story. You, you just have to go all in and write characters that are real not characters that sound real not characters or this is the funny guy this is the serious guy this is this person because those people don't exist in life um people exist in life and i i was reminded of that even more so tonight hearing Jeanette's account of being on the film
3: if you compare the locker scene in aliens to the shower scene in starship troopers that that completely illustrates it where Everyone in the locker room, yeah, they're, they're in their underwear. They're walking around. It's not, it's not the focus of the moment. They just got out of their cryotubes. And then you watch Paul Verhoeven's movie, and it's, it's titillating. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's the focus. I don't like that. Now, I've got a funny thing. And this is, I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to make fun of Mark Ralston. That's not my point. But you, you ask Jeanette Goldstein, what did this graffiti on your armor mean or what did this mean or whatever and she has oh you see it's from a Chicana book of poetry Mark Ralston's character of Drake right? he's wearing a black glove and there's this pink glyph drawn on it and thanks to um, social media I, I contacted him I said Mark what was this, this enigmatic pink glyph on your glove boobs he drew <laughs> boobs and, and, and he's like oh I don't know God. I was young and I wish I <laughs> But there are I a
0: lot I'd of poems
1: it. about boobs.
0: So I was hoping it was like that—the pink triangle, maybe. Like
3: I don't know, like something. Nope. But that's all right. And, and his response was so like I don't know. I was young. He, he, he fessed up to it, but I wish I'd <coughs> told to her because she would have gotten a huge kick out of it, considering her current profession.
0: Yeah.
3: So. Yeah. Or maybe they
0: talked about it. Maybe she knows about that. Who knows?
3: She probably does. You know, Mark Ralston. Rico Ross and Jeanette uh, Jeanette, (laughs) Jeanette (laughs) Vasquez they were so in shape they were such like ripped like Rico Ross still has that six-pack it's crazy he likes to lift his shirt at conventions and things but the film just lets that slide it's not a focal focal point you know like they're beautiful people in 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 the scene it isn't I don't know there's just something about it that's that's it's very refreshing and then yeah. Al, M- Al Matthews can be a little bit, uh, you know, he can be a normal There's guy.
4: No, yeah. There's no like lingering camera or like sexy shot. It's a little, it's just like right. you're walking by, we get the pan. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's what it is. It's real. You feel like you're there with them.
3: Yeah. I think that it normalizes the idea of the the men and women sharing all this space because it's never sexualized.
0: which is a testament to james cameron really I, i think to go back to him for a second in terms of how he wrote these characters because ultimately the view we're seeing yes he is the writer or the writer but the director is the view we're seeing and oftentimes that director sexualizes that view or titillates that view and if even if you see watch other films from James Cameron, even like Titanic, this famous scene where she's on the bed and she goes, draw me like one of your French girls. Her body didn't, she didn't seem overtly sexual. It seemed more of a artistic statement. He's not, he doesn't take that lens. He doesn't, he doesn't, what's the word, commoditize? Com, com, what's the word? Uh, he doesn't turn, objectify. objectify, that's a better word. He doesn't objectify his character's in that kind of way, the way that we're used to seeing all over the place, even from some of the great directors, oftentimes you'll see they'll pivot into this. Oh, okay, whatever. So it's highly sexual or or gratuitous. Not that there's anything wrong with being sexual, but I think what happens is when the director makes the choice to make something sexual, it ends up objectifying who we're looking at. And Cameron doesn't ever do that in my experience in a way that feels like, Oh, this is a little bit exploitive. Nothing stuff feels exploitive.
1: No, I, I think he's a very like pragmatic, logical type of filmmaker and writer and stuff to him. Them having rippling muscles would just be more convincing set production design in a way. You know what I mean? He's like, well, they're, they're Marines there. Why wouldn't they be in shape? And yeah, I guess the most, if he does go, uh, objectify he goes 150 like in true lies where there's a striptease scene and the whole point is to be you know what i mean but other than that you look at t2 um when sarah connor's you know had her, her her whole metamorphosis into uh you know soldier essentially and she and yeah he loves strong women but not in but not just you know, for their
0: strong because your clothes are off kind of way,
1: you know? Yeah. Not because of that.
0: The way like, Oh yeah, your sexuality makes you powerful. Take off your clothes. You know, that kind of stupid (laughs) low brow, low class way.
5: Yeah. He was, he did have a direct hand in getting them in shape though. As uh, Jeanette, we didn't, we didn't talk about tonight, but they were all given this like amino acid drink that they, uh, that spiked their metabolism a lot. And so they had, so Mark Rolson, for example, was having like 10,000 calories every day. And then having to work out for three hours in the morning and then work out again for three hours in the evening. So they, they, <clears> a lot of them going into this weren't like serious weightlifters or serious, you know, athletes, but they, you know, trained really hard. Like when, of course, Janet Goldstein was the exception, as she said, because she had been bodybuilding for two years. But what I'd like about their physiques, and I don't mean to like objectify this or, t- or you know, spend too much time on it, is that in an era of steroidal over muscularization in action movies in Hollywood where you had you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and others you know and Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport um the physiques in Aliens are very utilitarian strong right they're and 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 if you know like the signs to look for if somebody's you know abusing anabolic steroids or or taking testosterone treatments or something they, none of the actors have that the actors have really strong like usable physiques that you get if you're training hard. Michael Bean is another example of that, right? Like he looks like he could just like pass a fitness test, like no sweat, but he's not, you know, Mr. Olympia. Um, And again, from a filmmaking perspective, and just like you were saying earlier, uh, from a production design perspective, you know, that makes sense because these, these, these Marines aren't like, you know, competing to look the best they're competing to perform the best in their duty. And if you're a huge bulky, you know, uh, you know, power lifter, you're not going to wear armor very well or get into enclosed spaces very well. So, so just the ways that they trained it, it all, you know, harkens back to this idea that this film was really thought through and that, um, and that James Cameron was like, was not afraid to push people in the pursuit of that product. But to pivot for a second, what I'm surprised by is what I was also surprised by when we've spoken to, um, Others who have worked with other directors in the franchise, like Ridley Scott, is that the stories about James Cameron that we're getting are by and large that he's a real pleasure to work with. Whereas the you know the narrative in Hollywood is that it's the opposite, is that he's this sort of tyrannical you know taskmaster. Um, and it's nice hearing just hearing that you know that especially I mean again at the time he was 32 right he was a, a kid uh, and he was directing this thing uh with you know very little experience and yet and he was in complete command of the set and complete command of everything and yet he was still really nice and playful and fun and uh and I, i like seeing that side because that's a narrative that i think you know it's a lot easier to complain about people in general like it's a lot easier to say so and so is an asshole, and like oh they're so like rich and you know they got everything that they need um but the reality is, is like, not everybody actually is like, there are some people that like, you know, they might be difficult in, in terms of trying to get the best out of everybody. But like, at at the heart, like James Cameron has always been somebody who just adores filmmaking. You know, he was that kid giving studio tours, or, you know, he's, he's, he loves this stuff. And I think you you hear that in speaking with the actors and Jeanette Goldstein tonight was a good example of that.
4: I, I'm a huge James Cameron fan, like, I, his movies are my favorite movies, but obviously, um, but so I've read up a lot on on him, and you know, hearing accounts from people who have worked with him, and there's a trend of we all know this: the same people working with him over and over again, and they've all said, "If you are good at what you do, if you are competent, if you have a work ethic, then." He's a, you know, he's a joy. It's usually the ones complaining who maybe, you know, weren't so good or for whatever reason, maybe their personalities clashed, but by most people's accounts, yes, he's a taskmaster. Yes. There's stories about the abyss. Um, I think that's a whole different ball game, but um, no, I think what, you know, what comes through is he's technically and the artistically, brilliant at what he does and people like working with him for the most part.
3: There's a story. It's a true story. Um, as, as everyone knows, he was having a hard time getting the, the, uh, the British crew to respect him and to work with him. And so uh, Gale arranged, Gail and Hurd arranged for a showing of Terminator because they were all saying, we don't know anything from this guy. And so they, they arranged for the crew to have a special showing of the Terminator. And nobody showed up, or a small number of people showed up. It just they weren't interested in getting to know this guy. And that's a parable about Noah Hawley. I hear all these people bitching about the alien TV show that won't put in the time to watch Fargo. Watch Fargo, and then you'll know that we're in into- Legion. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Legion. And Legion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just sneak Thank that. Thank you, in.
6: Christian. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think what people are responding to was commentary. They're not responding to him as the director people are getting irate because there's commentary on what we're about to see as opposed to just waiting for us to see it at any rate to digress one thing i wanted to mention um about certainly vasquez but the marines in general and this is something that just sort of dawned on me is none of them are really assholes they're kind of like paxton or uh hudson was kind of jerky but funny and stupid but no they were all kind people like they yes they had their way they were their own family unit and I don't no one could break through but they seemed like real people the re, the only jerk in the film was Paul riser
1: really even Gorman he, apologizes to Ripley yeah 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 yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
0: yeah I mean riser's character you know he he isn't who he says he is he isn't transparent he isn't truthful you don't know whether you can trust him or not um, but the Marines are really, and I know that lately we're on one of our episodes, I think it was a round table. I think maybe it was ours. We were talking about the, the way that the Marines are portrayed in Charybdis and there's a lot of criticism or whatever you call it. But I really feel like the Marines that we see in aliens are good people, Mm -hmm. not just like, Oh, Hey, they're good people they want to do the right thing. They're not mean. They're not rude. They're there for a job. They're kind. Um, and there's even a kindness with Vasquez. She's, she is a little stoic to me, in my opinion, but it's not impenetrable. You can see her humanity. You can. There's that one moment where there's that look in her eyes and she's scared. Um, and it was a great way to humanize her even more. And I, I, I just, as we were talking with her, I was thinking about, the team, the family of Marines, and how they feel like our family. Because, yeah, they were Marines, but they're just like you and me. You know, they, they have a job to do and they want to go home. Uh, and having her on the show really brought that home for me. Oh, dear Lord, Jesus, this ain't happening, man.
2: This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. All right. We got seven canisters of CN 20. I said, we roll them in there and nerve gas the whole fucking nest.
0: That's well, worth a try, but we don't even know if it's gonna affect him. Look, let's just bug out and call it even, okay? What are we talking about this for? I say we
5: take off and nuke the entire site for Morbid. It's the only way to be sure. Fucking A. Oh, oh, hold on, hold
3: on, one second. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. <sighs> they can bill me. Okay, look. This is an emotional moment. For all of us, okay? I know that, but let's not make snap judgments, please. This is clearly, clearly an important species we're dealing with, and I don't think that you or I or anybody has the right to arbitrarily exterminate them.
0: Wrong.
4: Yeah,
0: watch us. They maybe you haven't been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, pal.
4: I love that point. They are all good people, and I think that's why, when they die, it matters to us. Because in movies like this, there's always like, like you were saying before, or somebody was saying before, like, this one's the asshole and this one's the funny one. And, yeah. you know, we like to put labels on things, but we're all those things. Like sometimes we're an ass, you know, we're all assholes, but we're, we're most people are kind people, are good people that in a situation like that, they're going to help each other out. They're going to, you know, have each other's backs and not just because they're Marines. Because they treat that, you know, they treat Ripley and even Burke, you know, like they, un, until they learn of his, you know, deceptive uh, plan. But um, even before that, they, are, they all have each other's backs. Um, so I love that you said that. They are, they're all good people
1: and it's so nice to hear bill paxton was such a nice person I know. that really yeah. that really like did my heart oh. so well just yeah. to know that like yeah. if you were if if one of any one of us ended up in his sphere he would have been nice to us he would have you know treated you like a human being uh it's just
6: yeah
0: there, there's an the interview that i just shared on uh, our facebook page perfect organism with him and sigourney weaver and the is talking and they're both Sigourney and Bill are looking at the interviewer, but Bill, the way he's looking at this interviewer is so like, tell me your story. I want to know your story. How do you connect with us? It was the sweetest, nicest interview. Like he, there was no airs, There was no hubris. There was no where we're actors. This was family talking to extended family, which are the fans really great. And it's great to hear Jeanette echo those sentiments.
3: Can we take a minute to acknowledge how incredible it is that this was her first theatrical acting gig? You watch this movie and you never think, "Oh my God, you know, she's scared." She says that she was scared throughout the performance or throughout the, the production, and um, if anything, it, it it informs the role. But I just can't believe that that this was this was her first foray into theatrical acting
5: yeah that's why i asked her about it because her especially like she she under delivers some lines that she had to go back and like do adr on like she does a lot of things that are very subtle you know and if you're not used to acting in in movies it's easy to think everything has to be super declamatory and you have to really like you know make sure that you're always like cheating out and stuff like and, and that's what she had been taught to do as a stage actress but she just steps on the set and like she says like she hits her marks really well and she feels very comfortable and she feels comfortable being very quiet which is something that I think is is hard. Uh, you know, as as somebody who m- most of my acting experiences on stage, like, it's it's hard sometimes to tone that stuff down. Um, but she also uh it, she mentioned that it was like her first time ever handling weapons too, which is which is like crazy. It's crazy to me. Because Christian, you're you're right. Like she we, we get to see her go through the whole panoply of, you know, armaments in this movie. And even in the end when she's crawling along she has that, you know, is it a nine millimeter, whatever handgun she has? I don't know what the gauge is. Like yeah but the handgun that she has like and she has
3: pistol like ivory grips that's what I know about
5: it (laughs) I I figured you're the prop guy you would know it's a Mac 10. (laughs) we'll we'll say it's a desert Eagle um like but she just like handles that super well and she you know ejects the magazine magazine from it and she has like just just like perfect form and perfect trigger discipline and just like knows her way around the weapons so well and it's it's crazy to me that she had no experience with that beforehand
3: well, you know, the trick of that, though, the close-up of uh, Vasquez shooting the alien with her oh, foot against it. Gail it's Gail Ann Hurd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who actually
5: was a firearms person, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, with James Cameron, that was a, a shared interest.
5: Yeah. And I, if anybody hasn't seen the photos from that, we, we've shared them a number of times on different social media she's so outlets. Cute. But it's so cute. it's just crazy to see that. Um, so check it out, Andy. Sorry, you were saying something.
4: No, uh, I just think, um, you know, going back to her weightlifting and being a gymnast, she's just aware of her body and knows how to handle movement. You know, like it's like dancing really um, just with weapons. And so I think she's physically very adept at, um, you know, carrying herself. Even she referred to holding the smart gun as sort of doing the tango. Um, And it, it does like certain movements, the way she's, sort of, you know, trying to correct her center of gravity, it does look like that. So um, I think that's a testament just to her athleticism.
5: Yeah. And she looks like she was born to wield it. That's the thing, too. People don't talk about Drake in the smart gun. They talk about Vasquez in the smart gun. There's something about the way that she interacts with this thing, which, again, was a a camera gimbal. It's like a super awkward piece of equipment for her to be using for this and a very heavy gun that doesn't resemble like anything else um and she like the first time that she suits up with it and she and drake pull it up you know um parallel with their bodies it looks like she's been holding that for 30 years of her life or something you know it's just she's so comfortable with this really awkward i mean if any of us were to have the incredible fortune (laughs) to carry that weapon you know and something yeah we'd be like falling (laughs) over and she's barely five feet tall and she's, you know, just completely in control of this giant piece of equipment, and graceful with it, like that tango you were talking about, Andy. It's, it's she's dancing with it, and that's like, and this is her first time ever on a freaking movie set, and she has this level of of fluency with the props and stuff. It's crazy.
1: And one, real quick, is just want to say that that scene, just you that you talking about it, makes me realize it's more that, you know, we talk about world building so much you know, we show all these establishing shots of Hadley's Hope uh, or et cetera, et cetera, you know, explanations of certain technology or uh, uh, lingo and stuff like that. But just her holding that gun, that's world building right there. That shot is that's what the first time you see the smart gun. It makes you say, oh, this is this is the world we're in. This is what, what we're in for. And that image of her with the bandana holding the smart gun burns in your memory. And that because she's part and parcel of the visual uh storytelling and world building of the of the movie that's like i think that's why she's so iconic sorry jamie please go ahead
0: no i was all i was going to say is uh, she confirmed with me the connection she had with drake vasquez's connection with drake where they were friends they went to juve they went to juvenile hall or whatever they were they were convicted of murder They were never lovers. They were just friends. And I know that's been a a point of contention and it's always angered me a little bit when I see it in phantom, like can a man and a woman be friends Mm -hmm. without having, without having to sleep together. Of course they can. I know men, plenty of men whose good friends are women's and they, there's nothing between them. And I love that. She confirmed that, that what we're seeing this connection is a brotherhood, uh, for lack of better terms, or they were like siblings. They were that close. They've been through hell and high water together. And that's all over the screen with them. And that look they give each other when they stand up with the guns, just that momentary look just sells it. they can speak without talking. And uh, that's hard to, that's hard to write. It's hard to perform. Mm-hmm. And they, and they really did it wonderfully.
1: That's why that line cuts so much when he screams, forget him, he's gone. Yeah. It's, it it yeah. doesn't say like, we got to get out of here or close the door. He says, forget him, he's gone. Like, oh, man. Very powerful.
6: Yeah.
3: She caused it. You know, she's the, she shot. Because yeah. there's this cause and effect. Boy. James Cameron pulls off this really interesting trick of laying out all these weapons, right? We, we see them doing the thing with the smart guns. We see Frost setting up the pulse rifles and handing them out. But then through uh, through the pl- plot machinations, you can't use your pulse rifles. You shouldn't use your smart guns, right? They do use the smart guns and they use the flamethrowers. And then those weapons are done. Then for the siege, we only have the pulse rifle. Oops, we're out of, out of ammunition. Now you have your pistol. And she's the poster child of each step of this. You think, oh my God, there's so many guns in this movie, but really they're discreetly laid out over the course of the film so that you keep having a new form of technology or a new, a new thing happening as they, as they fight the aliens. And that's why I mentioned it to her that, that she has this, um, you know, you, you can see Vasquez with a smart gun. You can see Vasquez with the, uh, the pulse rifle slung over her shoulder. And then you see her with the pistol and the grenade. Like she just is iconic every single time.
4: But even that scene in the med lab When Ripley realizes she does not have her pulse rifle, what's her weapon? A lighter, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's just, yeah, it's that whole Vietnam, you know, look at all of our firepower and
3: now take it away.
4: Yeah.
0: You know, unrelated, but related with Ripley's lighter. I wonder if her setting off the sprinkler alerted the aliens that they were in the, in the area. You're talking about there's a cause and effect Mm -hmm. over and over and over. And they were there for forever Mm -hmm. and everything was fine until that sprinkler system went off and the lights went off. And then all of a sudden, right after that, they cut the power moments. Yeah, they cut the power because they knew where they were. They heard Mm -hmm. the alarm going off. I I don't know if that was intentional by James Cameron, not that he does anything unintentionally,
5: but it definitely was. Yeah. Good, though.
4: Did yeah. Everybody else
5: here, just briefly, did every single ever other person hear, How oh, could they cut the power, man? They're animals. When you said cut <laughs> yeah. <not> the power, <laughs> because it is impossible not to hear Bill Paxton <laughs> say they
1: cut the power. What do you mean they cut the power? How could they cut the power, man? They're animals.
5: Bill Paxton was like the cool uncle
3: to everybody. Like, I just, I, I've seen stories of people wearing Colonial Marine armor to events and running into Bill Paxton and him being so excited to see, like, one guy he had, he had all the markings for, for the Hudson armor. And Bill Paxton said to him, Oh, well, you need to have uh, Louise written over here. And he, and he pulled the, you know, the, the grenade strap back and said, no, I have my wife's name written here. And that there's a photo of them together. And Bill Paxton looks like he's about to cry. He's so proud of this guy. You know, like he, he really embraced the way that fans embraced him. So even though this is a Vasquez episode we really it's miss good. Bill Paxton.
6: Yeah, we really
1: do.
0: I mean, they're such a team. It's hard to mention one without the other.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And if he's the cool uncle, Jeanette must be the cool aunt. Cause she had like truly the purest, like best friends, really cool mom energy where your friend is like, I'm going to go get ready or whatever. And you're sitting in the kitchen with their mom and you're like, oh my God, Slay has so many stories. And then you're <laughs> like, forget <laughs> you. I'm going to chill with your mom. Like that was it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I do love lovely. that. Patrick Lovely. mistook his, her husband for her son. He did. To my, to my, oh to yeah, my I thought he so looked, too. I thought like that was I though, thought yeah. that was a young a young man. Like, I thought it was like eighteen. Fifth, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But yeah. I do love that moment that she's she said her kids will call because they're trying to prove that Vasquez is their mother, and so yeah. they'll call her on the phone and to confirm that. That's hilarious to me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and it's also crazy to think that she has people coming into her shop interacting with her all the time. Like and you, you really gotta wonder. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure many of them must know who she is from her acting career, and it must just be just amazing. Like, and I, I, I also, I, I'm glad that we started with the with the bra hump with the bra store, um, because to me that says a lot about who she is. Like how she sees life as an adventure, you know, like how it's just, you know, you, you kind of have an idea where you're going and then and a path opens up and all of a sudden you're on it. And she just embraces it. And that's why El Riesgo Siempre Vive, I think, resonates with so many of us is that that's the story of not just Jeanette Vasquez, this is the story of Jeanette Goldstein. This, this idea that, like, if you don't go for it, then. You never did, you know, like you don't know if something will happen until you actually just step through. It's the, it, and it extends to the whole idea of jumping through the window, not being thrown through it. Right. Jeanette Goldstein is somebody who has had this wonderfully peripatetic career doing all these different things. And, you know, and, and like I mentioned, you know, stage, screen, television, et cetera, but also like in her middle age started a company from the ground up with her husband and had this crazy adventure that has prospered. I mean, she is now known just as much for this company. Like if you look up Jeanette Goldstein interviews online, many of them are about, you know, women's lingerie and about about proper sizing and stuff. And I love hearing her talk about that too, because she talks about the story of her grandmothers and the story of growing up and not feeling comfortable in her own skin and how like it's just it's there's this a wonderful sense that she is living a present life, you know? And so many people fight that, I think. So many, so many people feel this friction where they wanted their life to be something that it's not and they feel frustrated by that and it kind of eats away at them. Uh, and I, I think many of us, I'm not saying them, I think all of us, I, I know speaking for myself, I felt that in my life at times too. You know, I feel like Jeanette Goldstein is a great example of how if if your career goes in an unexpected direction, it's an opportunity to just jump on it and to try it out. And because the reality is, is that the risk always lives right mm-hmm. the risk will always live It, and if you try and you fuck up well at least you did it in the first place and i'm glad that we got to get a real sense of that tonight and i, I really get the sense talking to her that we haven't seen the last of her as an actor i think that she's going to continue doing really cool things i'm glad that she hasn't retired from that but also that like there are other things that jeanette Goldstein's going to surprise us with in the years to come and i I'm so here for that. Like I am so here for her continuing to blaze a fascinating life and to take us as fans on this journey with her. I really am.
0: It circles back around with what Andy asked her about her looking for employees, what kind of employees. And she said, she prefers the employees or the possible or potential employees who've worked at McDonald's or target who've lived the life, who've been out in the trenches. And it, it echoes that slogan on her armor, you know, like she wants people who've lived the risk, you know, who, who know what that's, that is. So a part of who Vasquez is, is who Jeanette Goldstein is. And I love that. And I felt like it would be a great idea to read that final statement from the book. And I wondered if Andy, if you would read it for as we wrap this portion of the show.
4: So from this book right behind me. Yeah. 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 Sure.
0: If, if Does anyone have anything else to say? Anything else to add before we? So we're about to wrap. There's a great quote, but uh, at the end of J.W. Rinsler's, is it Aliens, The Making of, or The Making of Aliens? The Making is of Aliens. The yeah. Making yep. of Aliens, which everyone should check out and purchase. It's pretty cheap on Amazon right now. Um, and he ends the book with a quote from Jeanette Goldstein. So take it away, Andy, when you find it.
4: Sure, got it. Um, So here's what she wrote or said what Jim Cameron did with female action. Goldstein said that was really groundbreaking is that he treated it as perfectly normal as though there were, had already been 20 movies about tough girl Marines blasting monsters. You know, you've really been empowered when it's not worth mentioning anymore.
5: That's awesome. From a movie from 35 years ago that movie fucking blazed some trails. It really did. Now I got to watch it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my God. It's it's always the right night to watch. (laughs) it. Hey guys. Thank you guys so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, you. Christian for securing this interview for us, um, for reaching out to Jeanette. Lord knows I tried on Twitter. Maybe, maybe someone else does her Twitter. I'm not really sure, but uh, we've been after her for a few years now, Patrick. Uh, We've always talked about getting her on the show and, Christian got her, and that, it's it's just great. It's uh, it was great to have her. It's great to have all you guys on.
5: And it's also worth mentioning that the reason uh, that Christian was able to get a hold of her so quickly was by sharing that famous picture of Andy's daughters at Comic Con with Michael Bean, and she responded with this just wonderful, like, "Oh, I love this picture of Michael and the girls," and and that I, I think it says a lot, you know, about what speaks to her. And at that moment, again, just to reiterate tonight where your daughter's got to, to meet her, I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And, and I, I was just so happy to see that in person. Thank um, you
4: for, uh, yeah, for letting that happen
5: of course yeah that our, our pleasure the, honestly this this i, I feel like i'm uh, i'm dizzy because this was this was one of those you know on shoulder of ryan we've done a few interviews a couple of interviews sort of like this with just these sort of like legendary people that you kind of never think you're going to get a chance to to meet you know or that you like wait in line for forever at a, at a convention to be able to get up to talk to for three minutes or something and we got to spend over an hour tonight with this woman who has had an enormous influence on our lives and uh and so yeah her getting to meet your your daughters me getting to tell her that she was the first human kenner figure that i bought when i was a little kid and to this day i still have that original figure i have other ones too that are nicer but that original figure is literally warped because i played with it so much (laughs) and played with it outside and it melted a little bit you know like she's she's such a part of our lives and i just uh, again jamie like thank you for starting this show and thank you for taking us on this this journey with you uh and and for, for building this into what it is into a show that's capable of getting someone like Janet Goldstein on and getting her to be able to, um, feel comfortable to, to, to bring us into her life a little bit. Uh, before we go, if you want to support more work like this and more interviews like this, we have Patreon, which we've mentioned many times. Uh, if you go to perfectorganism.com support or go to patreon.com and search for perfect organism, we have a few tiers with great perks, including one that's only $4 and gives you access to hours of additional content every month with frame rate, where you can hear us talk about movies that have come up on tonight's podcast, like Underwater, perhaps Near Dark will be near, another future one, um, and, uh, and other stuff as well. So if you want to be part of the family in a more direct way, um, please consider signing up.
0: To continue this conversation, go to Building Better Worlds, which is our facebook group where we talk all things alien what's upcoming the new hulu series everything and we will continue the conversation about vasquez and the 30 the 35th anniversary of aliens so thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back soon for more on perfect organism the alien saga podcast please visit perfectorganism.com Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.